by show of hands, how many of you grew up uh, like I did with a, uh, a certain kind of uh, reward, uh, either a chart or, or you just knew uh, that if you did something right, you were going to be rewarded by it? Anybody else get, get praised for doing good stuff? Okay, six of us. That's great. <laughs> how many of you don't like raising your hand? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was easier. That was easier to ask. Uh, I grew up with a reward uh, kind of basis, a chart uh, type of style of, of things, and it was so cool uh, that I was using this illustration this morning because uh, just this week I saw on Facebook that Heather Larish posted my childhood chart. Okay, it's not really mine, it's Levi's, but look at this. Look at this beautiful picture of uh, Levi. Her son has this chart set up at home, and it looks almost identical to what mine does right now in my house uh, for me. Uh, it says first, uh, took a bath, yay, you did it. <laughs> and that's what Jess says to me, I'm so proud of you, hu husband. Uh, then the next one says, get ready for bed, bravo. He got a bravo sticker, and so uh, did I. Brush your teeth. You did it. Another exclamation point, another chart uh, stamp. Awesome. It says, put toys away. Great job. Took care of pet. Super. Uh, Jess says that to me when I take care of the kids because uh, they are sometimes like our, our, our pets. And now this is interesting. There's two blanks there that are also blank in my own personal chart. The first is this. Stop whining. There's nothing there yet. I don't know what time of day this was taken, but uh, kind of like in my life, there's nothing there until I, I do something right there. And then the next say please and thank you. Again, nothing there yet at this time when this photo was taken. Kind of like uh, in, in, in my, my life. Uh, in our house growing up, we had uh, rewards. Uh, when we would do our chores uh, the right way, we were rewarded uh, with a, uh, a dollar amount. How many of you received an allowance? Not just because you breathed. Millennials. Uh, not just because you woke up, but because you did something around the house. How many of you got rewarded for doing... Okay, good. Uh, uh, also, in our house growing up, we had a grade uh, reward. At the end of the semester, when we would get our report card, uh, just like today, the report cards were sent home. I think that's intentional because they know that we don't uh, want to bring them home necessarily. Uh, but our, our grades were sent home, and we were rewarded on a monetary basis for whatever grades we had. And actually, we had... The reverse of a positive, uh, if we got a C or less, we had to actually pay our parents back uh, for that. It was a punishment system as well. Those, those were normal. Those are normal. These kinds of charts are sold at the Dollar Tree and at Walmart. They're the reminder in our culture that we, we like to reward good behavior and we like to punish Bad behavior, right? It's, it's the way we learn to do things. We learn uh, by reward and punishment. We understand that mentality. We understand that that's how we help our children learn to use the potty. We give them stickers and then they cash in those stickers for a, a Slurpee at the Unimart, right? We understand the benefits. If we lived in a perfect world, if we lived in a, a world where this worked all the time. These reward and punishment systems that we grew up with or that we use right now in our homes would teach us, they would have simply taught us to do good and not do wrong, right? But if you're broken like I am, there's something else that happens in the reward and punishment reality 
of our culture. The thinking goes on to our society where we understand that if we do good and someone notices, we will get praised and recognized, rewarded. If we do something right and other people see it, we'll get a sticker or a ribbon in today's school culture, right? If we do the right thing and someone notices, then we get a reward. On the opposite spectrum as well, if we do something wrong and someone notices, we get reprimanded. We get tickets. Not me. You get tickets. Or we get put in jail. We get fined. We get in trouble. Our neighbors look down on us. The inherent problem with a logic of Reward and punishment by the mentality that it's when people notice is that if it is our goal to do good for the immediate reward that we receive when people take notice, we will, I will do good as long as someone notices. As long as the good that I have in front of me, the opportunity to do, as long as there's someone else watching, guess what I choose to do? That good. Likewise, if there is wrong to do in my life, if I know I have a choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing, and the the wrong thing involves no one else being able to see, guess what's easier to do? You don't have to guess if you're human. Some of you laughed at me this week, specifically one person sitting on the second row, uh, laughed at me this week because I tried to reach out to Tim Tebow. How many of you guys know who Tim Tebow is? Okay, six of you again. Okay, maybe eight. Tim Tebow is is currently playing for the the, the B team of the New York Mets. He's uh, working on his baseball career, and he was about to play in Altoona uh, this past week against our curve, and I was so excited about that that I reached out to him on Twitter. Uh, And I just messaged him and said, hey, Tim, I'm I'm a pastor locally and would love to take you out for coffee. How cool would that have been? (laughs) Guess who didn't respond? So I broke his hand. No, I, I didn't break his hand. He actually broke his hand, and he's out probably for the season, which is unfortunate. But I reached out after I found out that his hand was broken, and I said, hey, now you have no excuses. You probably aren't practicing or doing anything, so let me take you out for coffee. And once again, he didn't respond. But I, a couple of years ago, I read through Tim's uh, biography. It was written by someone else, and it's called Through My Eyes. And it's, his biography is growing up. He was uh, big in fame just a couple of years ago when he was uh, excelling in the NFL and then getting traded every other day it seemed because he wasn't NFL quality but he wrote uh, it it was written about him and about his family in this book through my eyes about the household uh, reward uh, system that he grew up in here's a quote from the book it says this uh, his parents Bob and Pam Tebow turned to the Bible as their primary parenting book they infused scripture into family devotion time and rewarded their children for memorizing scripture good thing to reward your children for. When their kids were little, they used songs to help their kids remember Scripture because what is learned in song is remembered long. Bob Tebow, the father, rewarded his kids with daddy dollars, fake money, with which their kids could buy TV time, computer time, 
and other privileges. But in this passage, Thibault writes about how it was easy uh, to try and promote his own good uh, to his parents so that he could receive his daddy dollars, his reward in front of them. He would come home and, and let them un, or let them know what good he had done. That is, until the family instituted uh, a quote-unquote no-brag rule based on Proverbs 27.2, which says this, let Another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. They were rewarded only when the boast, only when the brag, only when the good news came from outside of their own mouth. I like that. I I, I like that. And it's not original with the Tebow family. Jesus, in his radical red letters, his radical words, his sermon on the mount, in Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to look. It, it, it's not original with the Tebow family. It's not original if you steal it from them or you steal it from this morning. It is how Jesus lines things up in a kingdom mindset. I, I want to remind us that these last nine weeks or so far, uh, we've really revolved uh, the, these sermons around what we're calling radical red letters, these tough sayings from Jesus. And I think I want to remind us why they're tough is because they go so far against the status quo of our cultural life. Just a reminder, it is good for us to reward our children. It is good for us to do the right thing and not to do the wrong thing. Amen? Where we get hung up, as we're going to discover here, is that we have taken that idea to the nth degree and we've forgotten what it looks like to live Jesus' kingdom mindset. So let's look. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read just verses 1 through 4 this morning. I want to remind you again that if you have uh, your uh, cell phone, your smartphone, or a tablet this morning, uh, you are welcome to download, or if you already have it, the Bible app, and you can follow along uh, with the scripture and some notes. There's even a connection card built in there if you hate paper. Fill out the connection card on your app. We'd love for you to do that. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen to Jesus' words here. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. They, those hypocrites, have received all the reward they will ever get. Verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Pray with me. Lord, again we pray for your convicting Holy Spirit. We pray that you would tear down some of those walls that we build up naturally. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict, guide, and direct I pray for your wisdom in these moments that you would transform our lives by this word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I think these are some challenging words from Jesus. 
Maybe we would place these words in a different category than some of the other stuff that we've talked about. Even some of the passages, even from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, seem to deal with some more severe issues. Uh, maybe we would classify some of those other issues as, as more dangerous or, or more so damaging to the, uh, the church united or the culture continuous. This passage of scripture, I think, is one of those ones that we, we kind of overlook in some uh, ways of thought. We kind of look at it and we go, well, that's not an issue for me. I do pretty good at, at making sure to be charitable when it's not a public benefit. But I think Jesus in this sermon includes this, this passage, this idea, these statements, because we as human beings need reminded again and again and again of what it means to live a kingdom mindset. Jesus challenges what the kingdom mindset must be in the area of service, of doing what is right, of doing good. I want to outline two specific facets, I'm calling them, two, uh, two areas, two sides of the same coin that remind us what kingdom-minded service looks like. The first is this. You heard Jesus say it. Kingdom-minded service is cultivated in secret. The first verse, Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Now, I want to ask the, uh, the obvious question here, that if you're uh, a Bible student, if you're a student of the Word, if you look at uh, Jesus' other teachings, uh, if you were one of those original hearers, and Jesus just said those words publicly, maybe you would reference the notes you kept on your smartphone from just a couple passages earlier. Or Jesus says some other words. Isn't this the same Jesus who, back in chapter 5 for us, said these words... Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Now, isn't this interesting? Doesn't that sound a lot like do good, let your light shine brightly so that others may see the good that you do? Anyone else confused? We're allowed to be confused. Let's look into it. Isn't Jesus saying that our purpose as his followers right here is to be the light of the world, that we shouldn't be hidden, that people should know who we are by our actions, by our love? How are we to let our light shine before others, but also be careful not to practice our righteousness in front of others? How are we to live out this dual, seemingly dual uh, call to action? To be bright, let people know what you're doing so that they will be drawn to the Heavenly Father. And at the same time, don't do good things in front of other people. Isn't this one of those, if you spend any time on the internet, isn't this one of those passages of scripture that those outside the church or those who may have turned their back on the church use to try to negate what it is we stand for 
uh, what it is we believe. This is one of those passages where uh, people say out loud, this is two different thoughts. This is Jesus teaching two different things, and you can't take anything then about the Bible for serious. I think you might catch on where we're going with this. These words do not contradict one another in the least. Jesus' words clearly demonstrate my problem. My problem is not being seen in doing the good deeds. It's, it's, it's a nature thing. It's a human DNA. It's a sinful nature reality. Jesus is reminding that our acts of righteousness, our good deeds, are not on the table here. It's the motivation behind them. You ever done good? Yes, you have. You ever done good so that someone else would notice? Don't nod. Let me tell you, I have. Jesus is reminding us of his kingdom mindset, of God's desire for humanity. Those of us called by him is to be careful not to do the good in front of others, to be seen by them. Jesus has to teach on this point because it is our human nature to give for a better return. Everything set up in our understanding of the way the world works. Why do we put money in a savings account? To protect it? No, probably not. We hope that at the end of the month, end of the year, what? Starts with an I. Interest. We want our money to gain us something else in return, right? Don't we do the same thing? How many of you have ever gone to a yard sale? How many of you have ever gone to the yard sale for the purpose of finding something cheap to sell it to your wife? (laughs) Me neither. We all know business 101, right? And then maybe you don't own a business, you don't know anything about business, but you understand uh, the the, the benefit of business, right? The the business 101 is something I love teaching to my, my kids who can't figure this stuff out yet. Ezra's nine years old and can't understand uh, why things have a certain price point, especially when we can find it for cheaper on eBay or Amazon or somewhere else. And it's so much fun seeing the lights come on in Ezra's head as he understands that if we could buy 30 of something for a dollar and we could sell those 30 somethings for five dollars... We can go on a vacation. <laughs> it's a pretty lame vacation, right? You understand what I'm talking about? We have been uh, taught since day one that everything we do, we do it so that there's uh, the next step of return for us. The, 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 the positive thing, the effort that we put into something should result in a positive return. We don't want to put our money to work for us and then it costs us more. We don't want to work towards a job where we're not reciprocated appropriately. How many of you complained? How many of you have complained this week about how much you make an hour? 
Uh, okay, thank you. Some honest people among us. Others are like, mm, I better not. My boss is standing over there. No one's standing, sitting. We understand that we give in many areas of our life so that the return is a positive, profitable turn. Jesus has to teach on this point because our nature says, I will do good as long as good is returned to me. I will do good unto others so that they'll do good back to me. I will be nice to my neighbors as long as they're nice back to me. Can I say it this plainly? That is not a kingdom mind. That is not good enough. If we come to church for the sake of appeasing our family members, those who are looking, those who are keeping tally. Oh, we're keeping tally, let me tell you. <laughs> if we go to church to do that, to make our families proud, if we give a portion of our income each year for the sake of uh, Hannah giving us a receipt at the end of the year, if we serve on a short-term mission trip or give back to our church so that we can fill in that civic duty portion of a resume, if we are doing good so that others will approve, then all we get is others' approval. The praise of people. The praise of people, the, the, the pat on the back, the attaboys, the way to go, the I'm proud of you is a welcomed thing. Nobody doesn't want that, right? Nobody doesn't want someone to tell them that they're doing uh, a good job. Uh, like me, you've been in many hospitals over your years probably, and you've walked the halls of the hospital for one reason or another, and you see, specifically in hospitals, these seem to be very prevalent after renovation. You see a wall scattered with bronze uh, little tags with people's names on them. Oftentimes they're shaped in the shape of a tree. There are some hospitals that I can think of right now that I've been in where the beautiful wood wall is scattered with names and they all form this beautiful tree. And what they are are people's names who have given specific dollar amounts to help add on to that hospital wing. It's pretty pro prominent in our culture, right? Uh, even here in town, I, I call it the Bison Pride Wall next to the library. You ever see that? I've taken pictures of some of your names. It's fun. It's fun as a, uh, an outsider who's now a Clearfieldian to see names of families and wonder how many people are connected in our community. Schools, hospitals, charitable organizations all over the world know that if you will give someone some kind of public recognition, a, a brick, a plaque, your name in the back of an event program, your name on the side of a building, people, Businesses and organizations will give themselves away. This isn't bad. This isn't bad in and of itself. Praise is something that we all desire from our core. We want to be validated by people. We want to be known as doing something positive for the work that we've done. We want to be recognized for the gifts that we've given. But Jesus inserts a warning into that reality. The warning is, what happens? What 
happens when our good deeds aren't recognized. When nobody saw that I did that thing. When no one told me, good sermon, preacher, I dare you not to say that today. See if I cry in the corner. I will. I'm still broken. What happens when nobody sees the good work I've done? When no one's recognized? When, when, when nobody seems to notice that, that I've done the right thing? I've done a good thing. I've gone out of my way to do a good thing. What happens when the investment opportunity comes around that doesn't involve any public recognition? When, when the church asks me to give but doesn't tell me that I'm going to get anything in return? What if... If we're not careful, we can choose to give, not just our finances, not just our time. We we can choose to serve only when it is most convenient for us and or when we think the return on our personal investment, time, finances, effort, service, is going to benefit ourselves, our families, our name in the church, our name in the community. Again, this is not the kingdom mindset. Jesus says, be careful of this very idea, practicing righteousness for the sake of a human audience. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't pray out loud. He's not saying that we shouldn't be public with our faith. He's not saying that we should hide away and be Christians in secret. If you interpret Jesus' words this way, you're missing out. I get to tonight be a part of the Vesper service at the fairgrounds, and I get to pray for our schools and our hospital. I'm excited about being a part of a community event again. Last year, I got to speak at the Vesper service, and I'm excited to participate again this year. I'm excited that we live still in a community that values public declaration of faith. Jesus isn't saying don't be public. He's not saying don't put the Ten Commandments on a, a sign in your front yard. He's not saying that we should sneak into the back door of a church and be the first one out as well. He's not saying that we shouldn't rejoice when we've raised $38,000 to build a kid's wing. He's not saying that we shouldn't put people's names in the back of a program. Jesus is saying that the purest form of service, the most perfect way we can think about the, the good we are to do, is to cultivate it in secret. To allow, I love the illustration. Jesus says, don't even let your right hand know what your left is doing. We get the illustration, right? If we would start in that, that mannerism, if we would start in that idea, how, how much we could save ourselves from the distractions that come, again, when we're not noticed. second facet of understanding service with a kingdom mindset is that it's rewarded by God. Rewarded by the Lord. Verse 4, 
says, give your gifts in private, Jesus says, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Again, I believe Jesus understands the benefit of the arm around the shoulder and the attaboy mentality. The, the, the benefit of human praise, we long for it, right? Even if, if we had counselors here this morning, they would tell us, no doubt, the many, many stories of people raised in a culture by a family that didn't acknowledge their good enough. We as human beings long for the praise of people. Jesus understands that he was as human as we are. The recognition that we do receive from those we love and even strangers is often a good motivator. How many of us have done better the next time because we've been attaboyed the first time? Jesus is not telling us in this passage to rid ourselves of this desire for praise and recognition. He doesn't tell us to do good with absolutely no return. He doesn't say our life as followers uh, of him is to be a mundane, uh, do a good deed with nothing in return, and maybe hope for in a future life that good will be returned to you. Jesus doesn't squash a thirst for reward, but instead reminds us where the reward should be found. Our good, good Father. This is the key. This is the key to overcoming our inclination, our, 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 our bent of the push and the pull for human praise. Instead, you've heard me say it. You've heard us preach it. You know this if you've been in the church any length of time. We are to be living for an audience of one. Jesus gives the illustration again in verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do it like the hypocrites do. Blowing their trumpets in the synagogue and the streets to call uh, attention to their acts of charity, their good works. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward, all the reward they will ever get. Jesus is describing the status quo. He is laying out the reality that when we do things for public recognition, we're going to get that public recognition. And that's all we're going to get. That's a non-kingdom mindset. If we do good acts so that other people will notice, other people will notice, and we will receive their praise, their rewards, their admonishment. We will receive the praise we pursue. The reward of that kind of behavior is paid out in that instant. Again, how much more are we instantaneous desiring? We want it now. The recognition will come. Heads will turn. Names will be put up. People will notice when we do it for that reward. Jesus says it. Those who act in that manner have received all the reward they'll ever get. That's where it starts and ends. Temporary. Maybe instantaneous. Maybe uh, by a crowd of people. Nothing eternal. Nothing everlasting. Nothing really 
worth receiving in the first place. Jesus is saying, you want your name on a brick? Pay up. Get your name on a brick. Go ahead. You want your name on a plaque in the hospital? Do it. You'll get your name. you get your name up on that brick, up on that hospital, up on that plaque. You, you, you want to be known as someone who did something right? Go ahead. That's good. Be a good human. Jesus also says, if you want an eternal reward, if you want to live a life worth living, if you want the reward that lasts forever, think differently. If, if, we would choose to think kingdom-minded. To look above the earthly level of praise and reward and recognition and tune instead into heaven, that's when the reward worth pursuing is offered. Jesus says, your father, who sees that secret service, will reward you. Your father, your heavenly Father, we sing about him, we gather to worship, he will reward us. Unfortunately, Jesus doesn't, even in the Bible code that I've been studying here, (laughs) Jesus doesn't tell us when that reward's going to come. He doesn't say this is only a heavenly reward. He doesn't say this is the a reward that you'll get in heaven on the third day. He doesn't say if, if you'll do good in secret, if you'll live a life of service without the desire of the public recognition that you're going to get your reward uh, when the interest is due. He doesn't give us any, any, any more information on exactly uh, what the reward is going to look like. He doesn't tell us that if we give uh, our time and go on a, a mission trip with our church family, that after three weeks and after we've come up on stage and told everyone about our experience, that after three weeks the check will be in the mail. He doesn't give us any details on exactly what the reward is going to look like or how it's going to be paid out or exactly how it's going to look according to our effort. He says only... That if we will live this mindset, our Heavenly Father will be the reward giver. Can I remind us, can I remind myself, that there is absolutely no better reward source than my Heavenly Father. There's a lot of good stuff offered by humanity. But my heavenly father, Jesus on the day of judgment, for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, is a far, far, far better reward. I still like it. When you say, good sermon. I like it even better when you go, I didn't like that sermon. That hurt. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) I still like it. Still like it. When the human reward comes. 
I'm still being transformed to not like that as much as my desire for my heavenly reward. You got any people pleasers in our midst? In recovery. Anybody love conflict? Anybody hope that everybody loves them? I want my Heavenly Father's reward. A kingdom mindset of service is cultivated in secret and rewarded by God. So what do we do? We just write those things down. We tweet them out, Graham. We just remember. We write it in our Bible, write it in the corner of Matthew chapter 6 here. Uh, I want to give us some homework. Some I dare yous. You guys know I like to dare ya. I'm daring myself to do these things too. First, let's look for those times this week where I personally, we collectively, will choose to do the right thing because someone else is going to notice. Look for those times. They are, they are natural. They are a part of our culture. They're a part of our, our DNA. We are going to face probably sometime, maybe even today, where we choose to do the right thing because someone is watching. Don't not do the right thing. Okay? Don't go, oh, Pastor Stephen told me not to do the right thing, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not saying that. In those moments where we know our DNA, our bent is to make sure someone's watching me over tip at lunch today. Maybe it's just me. I like doing good when others notice. In those moments, don't not do the good thing. Instead, ask God in that moment to transform your motivation for doing good. Do good because your Heavenly Father is good. Second, choose to do something off the wall good Because your heavenly father is good. Do something stupid good. Does that make sense? Do something crazy this week. What if we all did something in secret? Because our heavenly father is good. Third. Take stock today, this week, of those tendencies you have for that human Praise. Those moments where someone tells you, your boss tells you, your mom, your dad, your child says, thanks, that was great. Take stock of those moments. Understand that that is a good thing. Those praises and identify the ways you pursue getting even that recognition. And again, in those moments, ask God to change your heart. To play for, to live for that audience of one. Would you stand with me?
Can I pray for us? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, collectively, we admit our failures. The times, the opportunities that we try to do the most good, Lord, I confess. I confess those times where I hope someone notices. And Lord, I ask that you would transform us as individuals and collectively as a church that we would pursue the praises and the rewards of our Heavenly Father far more than the praise and recognition of anyone else. Help us to have a kingdom mindset. Help us to allow these words of Jesus to do a work of transformation in our day-to-day living. God, right now I praise you for the literally countless testimonies of men and women, families in this church who live this out in incredible ways. Thank you for the, the many stories I am aware of and for the many more I'm not. God, I pray that we would put to practice that which we know to be true. And you would give us the strength to do so every day. Help us to do so more and more. We pray for your guidance and wisdom in all that we do. We ask your blessing upon this gathering today. Would you go with us from this place into the world to declare your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.